0: Rounding up what's going down all around the continent, it's the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Powell. Hello, listener. Thanks for joining us today. In the studio, we've got Julien Laurent. Bonjour. Alvaro Romeo. Hola. James Horncastle. Hello. Who's just back from the Milan derby. And Raphael Honigstein. How's he back, Raph? Mm, Been better. Oh, dear. Did you enjoy the football at least this weekend?
1: I did. The football was good, yeah. It was great.
0: Excellent. There were some big games, some crazy things going on. Alvaro, I really enjoyed your tweet midway through Sunday afternoon when you put out the the top of the table in the Liga... Mm which contain none
2: of the big three. Yeah, well, Real Madrid won at Sevilla, and then all that changed a little bit, mm. but it's quite remarkable that uh, there are clubs like Atletic de Bilbao, Granada, and Real Sociedad, that they are up there after five games. I would say that uh, it doesn't show a tendency, mm-hmm. but uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico are not that powerful yet. We shall see what happens there.
0: Uh, a tiny little PSG leading the way now in Ligue 1, and we'll hear about their Sunday night exploits after this. You're listening to the Totally Furble Show in association
3: with Paddy Power.
0: André Di Maria, Neymar, Neymar,
4: oh, Neymar! Oh, okay. Et voilà, voilà le providentiel du Paris Saint-Germain!
0: Jules, France, Angers in second place. Incredible, yeah. Got Nice-Monaco coming up on Tuesday. Yeah. Monaco's still in big trouble. And uh, maybe a word or two on, on Marseille, but let's talk about Sunday night's biggie down in Lyon. Uh, as Paris Saint-Germain, fresh from that whopping 3-0 win over Real Madrid,
4: came to town. And it was another late Neymar winner. Exactly like he did against Strasbourg with a with a lovely goal again. The kind of goal that only he can score and a phenomenal individual effort, if you want, in the box with three defenders on his back. He managed to turn around and then hit it with his left foot. And it's just crazy again that he misses the Real Madrid game, which is probably one of the most accomplished performances by APS. G-team under Thomas Tuchel but also a G-team full stop since the Qatari took over and then he comes back there's a few more injuries no Icardi, for example still yeah. no Cavani what no happened Mbappe to he just had a little uh, I think calf problem against Real Madrid where uh-huh. he played for an hour did, did quite well I thought considering his short of him out the second of f- last season yes <laughs> <laughs> right uh and, and then but but Neymar is back and, and and when Neymar is in that kind of form, even if the game was not always easy, he got a lot of stick from the fans. Every time he was going to take a corner, he was pelted with like plastic glasses and pieces of paper and by all that stuff in salt and everything.
0: By the Lyon fans. By the okay. Lyon
4: fans, yeah. Right. And he was kicked around a lot by, by the Lyon defenders. But yet yeah, he came out at the end and scored that incredible goal. Lyon being quite a buggy team for PSG because they lost five times since the since 2011 when the Qatari took over. They lost five times to Lyon and the last two visits at the uh, the Parc OL or the Groupama Stadium, Neymar was injured each time so he'd never actually played himself in Lyon and, you know, if he had gone to Barcelona he would have never played in Lyon which would have been a shame but better for them. But, he came out with that incredible goal to win the game for Pirates. It's a silver lining for
0: him that is for that move to Barcelona not going through. That he can at last take the field at the Grupeorama Stadium. Uh, Una Balder says, uh, "Is Neymar still in PSG fans'
4: bad books after yet another late winner?" So it was interesting. This time they they chose to completely ignore anything that happened. So they ignored him basically. There was a thousand, a bit more than a thousand ultras at the ground, and he scored. And they. They didn't sing his name or they didn't insult him either. I guess that's a progress. Hmm. They sounded indifferent more than anything else, really, more than still angry. And there's a home game uh, on Thursday night against Reims at the Parc des Princes. And I guess everyone will see how they welcome him back again to the Parc des Princes after, you know, after the last few games they had. But against Real Madrid, they could have, again, gone on to the attack on him at the Parc des Princes. He was there in his box with Mbappé and and his dad, and they didn't. So it might be a bit more peaceful on, on Thursday night when, when they play against France at the Part de OK,
0: a 1-0 win anyway on Sunday against a Lyon team that failed to have a single shot on target. The first time that's happened at home since Optus started analysing Ligue
4: 1. Why were they so bad, Lyon? That was the game plan from Silvino. They chose not to attack, pretty much. They chose to play with five men at the back, to be very defensive, very cautious, which... Again, goes against their own DNA, their own philosophy, especially mm-hmm. at home. They've always attacked. They beat PSG, like I said, the last two seasons, for example. They're usually very good at taking the game away from PSG and making it really hard for them, play quite physical. And there was none of that last night. I thought it was so disappointing from Silvino to have chosen that way from the way the, the, way the players played that game. And if you had been a Lyon fan in that stadium against PSG when you know how good you usually are against them, to have a known... A known performance like that, a known game, not even trying to score, not even trying to attack. I think you would have been absolutely livid with your manager. And I don't know where this is going. But right now, the whole Silvino Juninho partnership, the new idea, the new philosophy with Olas, the, the 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 owner and chairman taking a step down and you know not being as present and as vocal as he used to before, it's just not working. They haven't won in five games in all competitions. You know, it's they haven't won in four in the league plus the game in the Champions League as well, where they got lucky in many ways to get a point against Zenit in midweek. It's, it's just, yeah, I, I just can't work it out where they're going. And I think it's quite worrying.
0: PSG, meanwhile, are top three points clear of Angers and Nice. Nice, who've got the Tuesday night game with Monaco, who is still without a win. Angers, uh, how much of a surprise is it to see them up there? It's a huge surprise
4: for them. The, the, the great thing they have is how they every year manage to sell their best players for huge profit, like they did this summer again with Jeff and Adelaide, who they got from Arsenal for hardly no money and sold to Lyon for around 30 million euros. And yet they replace him. They find another way to be strong. They take a gamble on Casimir Ninga, who was a promising player when he arrived at Montpellier and then lost his way a little bit and then scores a hat-trick in 11 minutes at the weekend. And meant that Angers took over Nice for second place. The story yeah. about Nice was yeah. Kasper Dolberg. you know, the who came his from watch. Ajax. So he scored, he scored <laughs> at the weekend for his, his first goal for the club and they, they, they have a lot of hope for him because they, they've needed a striker for a long time. And so that was Saturday. On Monday, he got his uh, watch stolen in the dressing room, a watch that was worth 70,000 euros, which is a very expensive watch. No one knows where the watch is. He apparently threatened to not train and not play until someone brought the watch back, it's clearly someone at the. I mean, you know, it's not the the cleaner just walking in, and only taking his watch because nothing else disappears, which is right. a very strange story. Okay, but if anyone knows where Casper has not arrived yet, the watch it hasn't no. been returned. Not yet. So
0: as it stands, he won't take the field.
4: So he did in the end. They convinced oh, he did. him to did, but there was a point on Monday where he said, "I'm not training. Where's my watch? What, what's this? I've just joined the club. What is <laughs> this club where watches disappear?"
5: You'd hope that he's got when a point stolen. It does some time for it.
4: Whoa, <laughs> oh god, this is a great start. Was, was it a just wind start? Up or not? <laughs>
0: anyway, because uh, he it hey. ticked off.
4: Oh my god, <laughs> we have to stop
0: there. So, um, just one point back from Angers, Nice, I must say. Andre Villas-Bos is uh, Marseille. They drew 1-1 with Montpellier. I see that there were three red cards in stoppage time, including one for Dimitri Paillet. What, what happened there? Yeah, George? he
4: insulted the referee, oh. so got sent off. Uh, Jordan Ferry from Montpellier got sent off as well for um, slapping in the face one of the Marseille players. And Buba Camara. Got involved and got sent off as well. It was a, There was a big brawl. I mean, Marseille should have won that game. They were by far the better side. They were very good again, I thought. And I think Villas-Boas is doing a really good job there. Uh, and they were frustrated, I think, to only get a point uh, towards the end. It, you know, it was quite obvious. Ferry... Like really got everyone going as well. And then Villas-Boas got mad at the referee in the tunnel because the referee refused to speak to him and to let him enter his dressing room. And Villas-Boas just went mad and said, you know, you ruined the game. How come you don't even want to talk to me? You don't want to let me in? And I think he got a point. I think referees should stop hiding behind the fact that they are above everyone else because they're not really. And when something like this happened, I think it would be good for them to open up and just meet the captains or just the managers and explain what happened, explain why you put your cards out and things like that. But I think Villas-Boas and the the master players were right to be frustrated.
0: Interesting. Uh, Another interesting story from France, I saw, is that the,
4: the French Federation has decided to get rid of la Coupe de la Ligue. Yes, finally, after 26 years. It was just is not that... working. Right. It was not working. So this is the French League Cup. Yeah, so your Carabao Cup, basically. Yeah. And it was created for a way of, you know, going into Europe. If you win it, you go into the Europa League, like, like in any other leagues, to make a bit more money, I think, with TV rights and everything. It's just not working. They couldn't sell the TV rights, you know, for the next three years. And clubs were not that keen. And it was either you get rid of that or you go the league down to 18 clubs instead of 20 to make to make a bit more room, to make the, the, the schedule and the calendar uh, a bit better for every club. And they decided to scrap it, which I think is a good... They, we've had good moments and PSG won it many times. Right. So we're sad to see it go, but it was the right decision. Okay. Uh, anything else, Jules? Just maybe a quick word on Leonardo Jardim, um, mm. who only got a point at Reims that bought him a bit of time. But there's, like you said, the derby against Nice on Tuesday night. Which I think could seem him get sacked if they they were losing. Which, in a way, he got sacked last October. And and he got a payoff of how much? Around 8 million euros paycheck for that. And then hired again. Three months later with a pay rise and literally full power at the club. Uh And he could get sacked again in September. So after coming back in January. And this time he'd probably be around 10 million euros. I want to be a Monaco football manager. If I I, I want you to, James. That would
0: be nice. And you you might be in with the shout. Who are they gonna go for?
4: So it looks like the shortlist could be Claude Puel, hmm. Max Allegri, who I think might not come, but it's the kind of calibre they would like to go for. I think they could probably try Jose Mourinho as well. Again, it yeah. doesn't mean that it would work, but I think their link with Jorge Mendes is so strong that Monaco I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Jorge Mendes has a lot of involvement in that club right, still now. But, okay. And you know, I think Laurent Blanc, those kind of people who are still looking for a good club to get into projects with, how good would it be if Arsene Wenger got that job? Wow, wouldn't that be All amazing? Those years full later. circle. Oh, I would love that. That would be great. Yeah.
0: Well, we're talking a second or two about some other clubs that might be interested in Max Allegri and Jose Mourinho as we turn our thoughts to La Liga. Hmm. It seems as though Serie A is a bit of a dumping ground these days, doesn't it? where all the Premier League's footballing flops are sent to get them off the wage bill. It's literally a weekly reminder for Man United of all their very expensive mistakes. But thankfully, with Paddy Power's money-back specials, not all your mistakes cost you as much. Get money back as a free bet on football every week. See on site for the latest. Paddy Power, home of the money-back special. Selected markets only. T's and C's apply. 18 plus.
3: On Spotify, Smart Speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media.
0: Premier Sports, the home of Liga and Serie A in the UK, has 11 live midweek games and 15 games at the weekend, including the Madrid Derby. Premier Sports is available for just £11.99 for Sky and Premier Player customers and also available on Virgin TV. All right then, Alvaro. Let's hear about that Liga. Ooh, that's a bit of... Athletic Bilbao's theme. What a magnificent tune that is. And you're top of the table, Alvaro.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's unbelievable because in a year everything has changed for Athletic de Bilbao. I think that last season it took them 14 games to to get 11 points and they've got 11 points now after 5 games, which is quite remarkable and they haven't lost at home uh, since uh, October. 2000, uh, 2018. So they, they are definitely a solid team and yesterday in the Basque derby they beat Alaves to the team of the capital of the Basque country which is a bit strange that Vitoria is the capital of the Basque country being the smallest city but there is another story. But Atletic de Bilbao won that derby and uh, they are leading the, t- the table all together with Real Madrid which is really, really good because Athletic haven't been there at this stage of the season since 1993 when Jub Heinkes was the manager of Athletic de Bilbao. Wow,
0: extraordinary. Real Madrid as you say up there with them but behind on goal difference. Then you've got Granada, Real Sociedad, Sevilla and Atletico uh, Madrid all level on points. What's going on? In, I mean, in general, we'll talk about Barcelona, what's, what's happening to them, but why have you got so many lesser fancied teams or less fancied teams up in the top positions?
2: Well, it happened last season as well until uh, Barcelona started winning many games. At the beginning of the season, we had a little bit of a strange top of the table with teams that you wouldn't expect to be there. But I think that this is due to a couple of things. Number one, that the TV share is much more fair than it was like six, the seven years ago. The, the, sh- the sharing
0: of the TV revenue.
2: The sharing of the TV revenue, yes. It's much more fair than it was 10 years ago. And also, I think that the, the Barcelona and the Real Madrid the great cycle is kind of over. Wow. In the sense that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo left Real Madrid and Real Madrid haven't been able to recover from the impact of losing Cristiano Ronaldo. And uh, Barcelona, the don't go for ex- excellence anymore. It's simple as that. I mean, in the past 10 years ago, they considered themselves the apple of football and they they were doing many good things uh, like recruiting before anyone else, uh, having a philosophy, having a sporting director who was on the same page as the manager. Uh-huh. And Barcelona doesn't have all that now. In fact, Barcelona doesn't have a sporting director now because he was sacked this summer. Barcelona doesn't have a vice president because he resigned this summer. And... Uh, Ernesto Valverde is quite contested at the minute well, absolutely. Uh, th- many things are not working and everything is down to what Lionel Messi does on the pitch and Lionel Messi hasn't had a pre-season and uh, he's not fit yet
0: OK so uh, this weekend Barcelona went to Granada newly promoted Granada yeah. uh, managed what well, barely managed two shots on target and lost 2-0 Messi coming on in the second half and making very little difference indeed
2: yeah the game started really bad in the first minute uh, Granada scored the goal because Junior Firpo one of these very questionable signings of Barcelona uh, made a mistake leading to Granada's first goal and the second goal came right after and uh, Barcelona was just not there Uh, you could see that the the three midfielders that Barcelona have, for instance, they don't play to the same thing. Uh, Rakitic, De Jong, Busquets, Artur, they all play very differently. In the past, uh, Busquets, Iniesta, Xavi, they all played for the same thing because they came from the same academy. I'm not saying that uh, Barcelona should be taken hostage of nostalgia or anything like that, but they should have a plan, at least. And uh, it seems that uh, Barcelona this summer, they have tried to sign the best players around, but they still they haven't found a style yet. Right. And, I think that Liverpool in many ways showed the way last season to the rest of the clubs. If you go for them, if you go for Barcelona and if you make the game difficult for them and you don't wait for them, but if you go for them, up front, pressing... Barcelona has a hell of a problem to start playing, and they, when, whenever they feel uncomfortable, they don't know how to suffer.
0: Right. Well, they narrowly avoided defeat away at Dortmund in the Champions League last week. They got the joint worst defensive record in the Liga. They've taken seven points from a possible 15, which is their worst start for a quarter of a century. Can Valverde survive
2: this? I think that the problem of Barcelona, there is an agreement on this, it's multi-organic. It's not only Valverde, the main problem of Barcelona. Of course, he will be the same uh, scapegoat if Barcelona keeps on losing, but there will be a little bit of patience. Historically, Barcelona hasn't sacked many managers in the past. I think the last one to be sacked I would say that it was in 2003, before Frank Rijkaard. Prado milan the likes of Luis Enrique, the likes of Guardiola, the likes of Frank Rijkaard, left. They weren't sacked right. at the time. So I think Barce- the patience is something that uh, Barcelona chooses to have. Okay. And I believe that uh, they will be patient with Ernesto Valverde, but at the same time, Barcelona has to start winning as soon as possible. What happened in Granada is unacceptable. And with Valverde, normally Barcelona relied on consistency. In the 2017-18 season, they lost one league game. Last season, I think they lost three league games, which is still a really good thing. This season, they have already
4: lost two games. I I think there's a problem with Griezmann as well, in the sense that it's only five games, so he needs maybe a bit more time to adapt and etc. But the way he's playing, which is out of position, because they're playing either right winger or left winger, now that Suarez Suarez is back and Messi will be back very soon, I think they in the touches per 90 minutes since the start of the season, he's third from bottom. Ony Suarez, who, who was injured for most of it. And I think Testegen, have touched the ball less than him. Even the kids like, like Carlos Perez and those kind of people, Carlos Alenia, I think as well, has touched the ball more than Antoine Griezmann since the start of the season. Mm. So he clearly, is not already integrated in, the, in you know, the, 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 the passing and the movements and etc. And if you have players like that up front and you don't use him, it's crazy.
0: Mm. <laughs> uh, what about Granada, meanwhile, who had won the game 2-0? Last hour, I remember they were being managed by Tony Adams and it was a bold kind of project that they were taking us into the future with.
2: Yeah, well... They seem to be fine now. I mean, okay. they, they've got a really good manager. Tony's
0: not there anymore.
2: Tony Adams, as far as I know, right. isn't there. He's been replaced by Diego Martinez, okay. who seems to be a good manager, who in his first season in charge of the club managed to promote Granada to the top flight. And they've got uh, three players, uh, very experienced ones, that uh, they are obviously very well remembered. One of them is the French Gonalongs. Uh, the other yeah. one, uh, Roberto Soldado, former sports striker. Mm-hmm. And Adrián Ramos, uh, he was the striker for Borussia Dortmund. Not very good one, but he was there. They've got uh, a mix of youth and experience. And uh, they score many goals. This season they have scored already 11. So they are playing uh, with plenty of bravery in the top flight, considering that they are just uh, just yeah. promoted. yeah. And uh, this is their best ever start to a top flight season so congratulations to them really good and they have had a really difficult calendar playing for example against Villarreal as well and they managed to get an astonishing 4 all draw against them. Wow okay well they're
0: up in third at the moment Real Madrid just ahead of them after that massive win I mean it was actually a narrow win but in a massive game on Sunday night uh, Real Madrid visiting Sevilla whose manager Lopetegui is the of course, the, the manager they sacked at the start of uh, last season. There's been a lot of talk going into this about time being up for Zinedine Zidane, the Real Madrid manager, after the defeat in Paris on, uh, when was that? Tuesday or Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Asked Thomas Roncero, saying it's over. <laughs> how, how real was
2: the, is still the danger for Zidane? Well, I think that this uh, victory um, is very soothing for Real Madrid, very important for them. Uh, I wouldn't say that Zinedine Zidane won't be sacked in three or four weeks if Real Madrid gets already bad results again. But uh, the loss in Paris was very, very difficult to handle because they lost 3-0 and uh, PSG didn't have some of their biggest stars on the mm. pitch either. And uh, Real Madrid was definitely worse than uh, PSG were. Um, but I think that this time they played against Sevilla, a team that, uh, even though they were leading the table, they have uh, some structural problems. For example, they don't have any quick players. If they want to play counterattacks, that doesn't make any sense. And they don't have a good striker yet, because De Jong doesn't seem to be that guy who can replace and make forget uh, Guisant Ben Leder, who was a terrific striker for Sevilla. Right. But anyway, winning at Sevilla is a really important thing for Real Madrid because they get now 11 points and the, the main reason why in a way Valverde and uh, Zinedine Zidane are not getting more stick is because Real Madrid and Barcelona aren't doing too well recently neither Atletico de Madrid so the weaknesses of the other teams are uh, making it easier to handle its own crisis to Real Madrid and Barcelona. Right okay uh,
0: speaking of crisis quick word on Valencia who were surprised winners at Stamford Bridge Last midweek, held to a 1-1 draw by Leganes on Sunday, amid fierce protests from the fans at owner Peter Lim. <laughs> the fans kicking off but over the the sack of Marcelino, and and uh, how do you see this situation playing out?
2: Uh, well, I think that uh, I saw Albert Celades uh, in the in the press conference uh, after the Chelsea Valencia game, and uh, he didn't seem to be a leader yet the Valencia leader yet he seemed to be a guy who was just landed and he was trying to understand the situation Mm. I don't think that it helps the fact that when he gave his first press conference in Stamford Bridge the Valencia captain Parejo wasn't with him because he decided not to be there as a way of sending a statement to Peter Lim Valencia owner But I think that it was very positive that when uh, Celades uh, was getting a bit criticized during the game against Leganes and the Valencia fans were chanting in favor of Marcelino, Mm -hmm. the likes of Rodrigo and the likes of Parejo asked the supporters to shut up and uh, to get behind the team. So I think that uh, the Celades situation is not easy for Valencia. He's a manager that uh, obviously comes there, but the players want another manager to be there, but they have to move on. And they got a really important victory against uh, Chelsea the other day. So they have to build from that point.
0: Absolutely. Valencia currently lying all the way down in 12th place right now in the Liga. Very interesting. Next up, Rafa, how about we spend some time with the Bundesliga?
3: You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power.
0: Wow. Rafa, it sounds like Oktoberfest is underway.
1: It is in full swing, James, and I will be there on Tuesday night. Are you going out there?
0: Yeah. Be careful of that back, eh? Hey? <laughs> is there Bi- football on?
1: Tuesday night? No, I think so. You're not
4: know, you know well enough to travel and to drink and party. After, After
1: the drink, I will be well enough.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Prost. Bayern have
0: kicked off Oktoberfest in, in style, haven't
1: they? They did. a uh, celebrated a very comfortable and ultimately convincing 4-0 win over Köln, um, uh, FC Cologne, on Saturday. And it was your usual sort of buying performance where big moments were interspersed with moments where the team, as a team, didn't look all that convincing. So really the, the classic Kovac game, if you will, um, strong going forward, strong in, in terms of individual quality but still leaving you with a sense that as a team is not really functioning all that well. Ultimately, of course, it doesn't really matter when you win 4-0, when you Mm. beat Red Star 3-0 in midweek. It was the perfect week for Bayern. And something absolutely amazing happened. Robert Lewandowski, on a hat-trick, gave the ball for a penalty kick to Felipe Continuo. And no one can believe it. Still, a couple of days later, people are sort of pinching themselves, thinking, did this really happen? Lewandowski, of all people... But to his credit, he said, uh, you know, we wanted to give him a feeling that he's now one of us. Um, It's important for new players to belong. And he allowed Coutinho to open his account, maybe thinking that, you know, I'm going to get lots of through balls (laughs) and lots of payback coming up. Um, But it was a very touching and very unusual gesture from one of the more self-centered center forwards.
0: I mean, it's self-centred position, isn't it, the, the, the striker? It I have to say, that analysis of Kovac's bayern sounds like most football to me, like good
1: bits. <laughs> to separate. you, yes, but, no, other, but people, other people like <laughs> to look beyond st- the highlights. Most James. people's
0: <laughs> teams, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's quite the opposite. Most people's teams, they would say that that's entirely normal to have the odd good bits followed by, you know, interspersed with long bits when the team's not.
1: I mean, really. you make a valid point, and I think the problem is that Kovac's Bayern, just like Ancelotti's Bayern, is still up against Guardiola's and Heinker's Bayern to a right. certain extent. They're still in the shadow of these teams. Yes, Guardiola didn't win the Champions League, but they regularly put in performances that this Bayern team since can only dream of in terms of sort of complete levels of excellence that, you know, just hadn't been seen before. For example, the Roma game is, is one or the 3-1 game against Manchester City. This Bayern team are still some way off. But I think what is reassuring after a very noisy and sort of uncomfortable transfer window... There is quality there. Uh, The question is sort of, can they bring it all together when it really matters in February and March? And can they keep it going in a league that is more difficult this year? Mm. Um, Because it looks as if we have not just one, but two genuine contenders for the title this year. Right,
0: Bayern currently lying second, two points behind RB Leipzig, who had a a mighty 3-0 win away at Werder Bremen.
1: They were really impressive because they weren't quite on their game but still managed to win quite easily, which is always, I think, the hallmark of a of a team that you have to take very seriously. Bremen were very depleted, had a lot of injuries. Leipzig were a little bit off, you know, coming, coming back from that Benfica win, which was very important for them, away uh, in Lisbon. But they had some great uh, set-ball routines. They scored a beautiful goal with... Um, as a fantastic free kick. And then they managed the game really impressively, like in the manner of a, of a top side. Uh, and ultimately, the golfing class was just unbridgeable as far as Werder were concerned. And, you know, all the players and Nagelsmann were all asked about, you know, where is this going? And you could sense that they didn't want to sort of be honest. But at the same time, what came across in the answers was that there was a genuine belief that they can continue doing this because you know they already drew against Bayern the the worst game they could possibly have although Albedo was at home all other teams with the exception of Dortmund look inferior so let's see how far they can take it but it's good for it's good for the league and uh, it's also quite um, reassuring I think for for everyone who's been hyping up Nagelsmann a little bit and I would count myself in that uh, (laughs) uh, in that camp because he seems to be doing what he did at Hoffenheim which is to improve a team immediately, uh, which is very, very impressive.
0: Good stuff. Uh, Dortmund, lying in third place, stumbled again this weekend. A 2-2 draw away at Eintracht Frankfurt. This is the same Frankfurt that couldn't even score against Arsenal, Rafa.
1: Yeah, Frankfurt were a little bit lucky against Arsenal. They created a few chances. Um, Arsenal's chances were better and Arsenal were were much more efficient. Dortmund had enough chances to do to Eintracht what Arsenal had done to them a few days before, but it just didn't take them. And they kind of sleepwalked into this second-half performance, where they lost a little bit of control and ultimately saw a really silly goal being conceded later on.
0: The
1: inevitable question about mentality and psychological frailty came up, and uh, it was quite uh, telling that Michael Royce took it very personally and said, oh, all this... This rubbish talk about mentality, you know, you can, uh, I can't hear it anymore. This is, has nothing to do with that. And you kind of sympathize with them. But of course, until Dortmund do it and until Dortmund see out these kind of games, that would always be the easy accusation level at them, that they're somehow sort of deficient when it comes to being resilient. It, it was disappointing because they're completely needless uh, way of throwing away two points which looked in the bag until mm. three or four minutes before the end
0: one of five teams there level three points behind Leipzig so it's pretty tight at the top hey
1: it is very tight because uh, with the exception of Leipzig have only dropped two points and that was against Bayern in that uh, draw none of the bigger sides um, have been really consistent Bayern have already drawn two games Dortmund have lost one game drawn one so uh, with only five games in the top of the table is much more compact and, uh, and as you say uh, much more congested but in a good way In a good
0: way Meantime what's the latest score in the big Ter Stegen Neuer battle?
1: <laughs> I think even the Bayern players were a little bit embarrassed because what happened after the Red Star game was that right. Uli like Hoene as the Bayern president took up the opportunity to complain about Ter Stegen's Uh, very vocal disappointment for not playing uh, for Germany, about the fact that he said the South German press haven't been supportive enough of our player, whereas the West German press, he meant geographically, not politically, um, have been really supportive of Ter Stegen. Of course, he played at at Gladbach in that area before. And um, it was one of those sort of really old school you know, we will not allow our player to be damaged sort of thing. But it seems so over the top because mm. Ter Stegen's comments were fairly innocuous. You know, he spoke of his disappointment and Neuer said it's not really down to to Mark andre to talk about this. And then Marc-Andre said, well, Neuer shouldn't really talk about my feelings. But that was really the extent of it. Um, and they made such a big deal out of it that, as I said, even Joshua Kimmich after the... Game on Saturday said, You know what? I mean, I don't think that Testegen actually said anything really badly here. So it's a little bit sort of the goalkeeping wars of the late 90s and the and the 2006 and 7s, you know, with Khan and Lehman being replayed, but at a time where people are kind of thinking this is a little bit over the top.
2: Yeah, and uh, we want the players to say something meaningful every time they speak. And when Marac and Andre Testegen talks respectfully about uh, someone else, I don't think that there should be any censorship by anyone, especially because I think that the Bayern Munich uh, professional shouldn't be... That is not the job of a Bayern Munich uh, professional, just to make someone shut up.
1: Uh, they, they see it as their job to protect <laughs> their player and to put pressure on the German FA to keep playing Neuer <laughs> instead of Ter and that—that That is Uli Hoeneß's very old-school understanding <laughs> of what a president should do, you know, protect his players all the time. It might be counterproductive because Joachim Löw is now no more tempted to um, stick with Neuer than he would have been otherwise, mm. uh, which, you know, Neuer, Neuer's place is pretty much guaranteed until the Euros. Then we have to see what happens after. Neuer might retire. It might not be even an issue until then. But I think this came very much as a result of Ter Stegen's really strong performance in Dortmund, when he was really the key reason why Barcelona escaped uh, with a point. And also, which is something that wasn't really talked about, Mats Hummels playing really well in that Mm. game. Because basically, I think from Bayern's perspective, it kind of casts shadow uh, uh, and a little bit of doubt on some of their decisions, especially letting Hummels go to to one of their direct rivals.
0: A quick word on the other Bundesliga, by the way, Rafa, where RB Salzburg... Fresh from their Champions League exploits, beating Genk 6-2 with, of course, a hat-trick from the incredible Erling Haaland. This week only drew 2-2 with Linz and Haaland was on the bench. What's going on there? By the way, speaking of Genk, uh, they're doing badly in Belgium in seventh place, but not nearly as badly as Vincent Kompany's Anderlecht. They're now on one win in eight. They got beaten by Club Bruges at the weekend. Belgian football update, tick. Next up, we're off to Italy.
3: If you're listening to this episode of the Totally Football Show and thinking, God, I wish I was as suave and sophisticated as those European fancy dans, Rafford, Jules and Alvaro, and I wish I could rock the Italian look as well as Jimbo and James H., well, head on over to stitchfix.com. StitchFix is an online personal stylist service that takes the work out of dressing well. They collaborate with all your favourite continental brands like French Connection, Just Cavalli and Tiger of Sweden and it is super easy. All you have to do is sign up at stitchfix.com, answer a few questions about your style, your size, your shape and your budget and then book a delivery date for your box of clothes hand-picked by one of their stylists. You try everything on at home so you can mix and match your stuff with the rest of your wardrobe. You only keep what you want and send back what you don't. Delivery is free both ways. All you pay is a one-off stylist fee of £10 which is used against any of the clothes you then by. Try it for yourself on the Stitch Fix app or at stitchfix.com totally. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot totally. You're listening to The Totally Verbal Show with James Richardson.
0: James, you're just back from San Siro, you crazy thing. Well, San Siro was Saturday night, James. Oh yeah, and then you went to Bologna Roma. I did indeed. Wow, what a weekend! All right, tell us about San Siro first of all, because it looked amazing—the the stadium, the soon to be much missed stadium, probably uh, decked out in all the colours you could want.
5: Yeah, I think you're probably going to still have six years. Six of San Siro, right? Because they've got the Winter Olympics, haven't they? Milano Cortina, and they want to do the opening and closing ceremonies at San Siro.
0: Okay. Because the, 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 the presentation of the new project, at least they're going to decide, apparently, on which project they're going with. On Tuesday, it's due to be announced.
5: They're making a final decision. I, I know believe- that there's a launch right. planned for this week where the stadium plans are all going to come out, Inter and Milan, collaborating, of course, on this. So that's what I'm aware of.
0: And they're talking about three years to build the new place next door to the yeah. current San Ciro. But yeah, as you say, the Winter Olympics is the, is the X factor in all of that.
5: But the atmosphere was incredible. Right great choreography even by the Milan Kudvisud standards, mm. less so from Inter, but ultimately the only thing that Milan won all night I suppose was that choreography because the team did not show up.
4: Lukaku has raddoppiato l'Inter.
3: Exactamente. Al minuto 33, nel corso del secondo tempo, Romelo Lukaku!
5: Very disappointing uh, from, from Milan, who have only scored two goals so far this season, um, only one from open play. And when you look at the start that they've had, couldn't have really been any easier for Marco Giampaolo, the new manager, because they had two of the newly promoted clubs, um, Brescia and Hellas Verona. And they also played Udinese, who the last couple of years have tended to be fighting against relegation. And I think one of the reasons why the criticism of Ciampaolo has been quite severe in the aftermath of, of this defeat is that Milan are not in Europe. He's had all week to prepare, whereas Inter didn't. They were involved in the Champions League. He's had more time to integrate the six new faces. And again, we only see one of them starting. And... Even though they're playing this kind of 4-4-2 diamond, which we all associate Gianpaolo with, we're certainly not seeing Milan play with the same style that his Sampdoria sides did, not create any chances, really. Mm. And, and the chances that do come uh, are not from the team playing well, consolidated spells of good possession, their players essentially capitalising on mistakes and then counter-attacking and carrying the ball up the pitch and then not really knowing what to do with it. Um, so... Ciampaolo, again, I think afterwards, I was worried watching his press conference because he was asked, do you think you can finish fourth? And he said... Do you think
0: you can even finish, I think is the question right now. Can you even eat your panettone?
5: Well, this is the, the problem that he's got to face because the fixtures are coming thick and fast between now and the next international break in October. And the difficulty rating is going up a notch because they've just played Inter. They've lost that game. They've got Torino. They've got Fiorentina and Sampdoria. Those three teams... I'd say not going through the best of periods, but at the start of the season, you'd look at those teams and think they are the ones that are going to be competing for Europa League right. or maybe even aspiring for more. So it could be quite an unforgiving section of the season for Giampaolo. And it's going to I think, be a real measure and a test of the faith that Zvonimir Boban, Paolo Maldini and the hierarchy at Milan have. Um, in this manager because at the moment he's putting a lot of square pegs in round holes trying to fit players who clearly are not comfortable in the positions he's playing um, and the style he's playing also just want to see more of their new players like Ben Asser who was mm. very good at Emply last year player of the tournament in the African Cup of Nations which he won with Algeria I think that's mystified some of the people at the club that he's only started one game so far. Teo Hernandez came on, final 20 minutes of the derby, and looked pretty good. Why wasn't he starting from the beginning? And again, we saw flashes from Leao, big signing from Lille, 25 million. That suggests that there is room for this team to grow, room for it to improve. But that improvement needs to come very, very quickly.
0: Mm. Milan Corley as the Gazeta put it. Nice nice, nice <laughs> turn of phrase, that. A 2-0 win, anyway, for Inter. It was a busy game, actually. Two goals, another two were disallowed, and Inter hit the frame of the goal three times as well. Mm. So, pretty dominant performance.
5: Yeah, very dominant from start to finish. Uh, there were a couple of scares that Inter had towards the end of the first half, uh, purely from, from Milan counterattacks, which came from Inter mistakes, but... You had D'Ambrosio somehow hit the post from point-blank range. Candreva in stoppage time hit the post. And were it not for Donnarumma, who's been Milan's best player so far this season, you know they could have gone in at half-time behind. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. I wouldn't even say that Inter were very good. They just took care of business. And I think, again, when you contrast what Conte has done and how instantly he's been able to get this team to play in the style that he wants it to, and also integrate lots of new signings who are contributing goals and performances, that makes what Giampaolo is doing all the kind of more damning. Um, Because, again, you look around the league, there are lots of new managers in new jobs with lots of new players to play with. And you can already see with, you know we'll get to Juventus in a minute, Aaron Ramsey scoring on his debut. You you look at Napoli, you've got Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Lozano, all making impacts. None of these Milan players that they've signed in the summer are either playing or making an impact.
1: James we all saw um Conte's Inter in the Champions League being very underwhelming. Uh, they played Dudelange who, who was it? <laughs> Slavia Prague. Slavia Prague. How big was that performance in that context because Lukaku for example didn't look very good. Conte as a manager hadn't looked very good. How important was it to suggest, you know, that Inter are indeed on track? by beating Milan in a convincing fashion?
5: It was big, um, because the doubts started to creep in. um, Because Inter, a little bit like Milan, have had quite a soft start to the season in terms of the opposition that they played so far. So this was seen as the the first big test after that disappointing result against Slavia Prague. And Conte was very self-critical. In part, I think, to take some of the responsibility away from the players. But he said, you know, I'm a donkey. I'm the biggest donkey of them all. You know, if this was a class, you know, put the dunce hat on me. I'll go sit in the corner and I haven't slept. Do me slept. a favour.
0: Kick this butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: And uh, I haven't slept since. And he's just been working at it. And he said that were it not for that performance, I this is a classic kind of pop psychology from, from an Italian manager. If we hadn't had that poor performance, maybe we do not put in the performance that we did on Saturday night. Mm. And it was the kind of lesson, the wake-up call that we needed for this game.
2: Regarding Antonio Conte, I mean, I think that time will put into perspective what he did at Chelsea, because uh, that was pretty, pretty, pretty good. And I think that he's this kind of manager that doesn't need a lot of time to no. to do whatever he wants to do. He gets the team ready straight away uh, for Juventus in his first season. I think that he finished the season unbeaten. Yeah. And then for Italy, he was very good from the very beginning. Same thing for Chelsea. He won the title in the first season as well. I don't know if you see him winning the season again with Inter in his first. I think
5: so, because, you know, they have margins for improvement. It's clear. I mean, even with Lukaku. Uh, Lukaku, I don't think, has played particularly well in his his first four games for for, for the club and yet he's scoring goals. You know, three he's got goals, has th- no? th- three and four. Mm. Um, and, you know, this is someone who had back spasms before the Slavia Prague game. Still, I think in terms of mobility, not the best. And he's still learning to play with new teammates. Once he gets firing um, and he's, he's fit and in form, you know, that is quite the proposition. And we also have to see what Conte does with Alexis as well, because mm. if, he, if he can uh, reawaken what we saw in Alexis at Udinese, at Barcelona, at Arsenal, then that could be pretty tasty as well. But I think the biggest contrast of all in this, in this derby was the difference in quality between one midfield and the other. Because I think Inter's midfield at the moment looks like the best it's been since the treble.
0: Inter are in action. Inter two points clear at the top of the table right now of Juventus. They'll be taking on Lazio on Wednesday night. While Tuesday sees Juve travel to Eugenio Corini's Brescia. Mario Balotelli. Mario, Mario. Balotelli. He's back. N- never trained so hard in my life, says. Or I trained, at <laughs> trained at all. Trained at
4: all. I've been <laughs> so, training,
0: says <laughs> so Mario.
5: At what? Not. We don't know. No, he he's,
4: uh, he's as fit as when he was at City when he was 20 or something like that. Is so, that right? Yeah. Uh, you meant, uh, How much it, is that saying, though?
1: Well,
0: anyway, Juventus, meantime, are coming off a 2-1 win against Verona, which saw, as you mentioned, Aaron Ramsey scoring on his debut, although admittedly it did go off Corey Gunter's bum. It did. Yeah, and I think Maritz was sorry. He gave him an hour, mm-hmm. and
5: I think he was not critical, but on the sideline, he I don't think he was completely happy with what his midfielders were doing because when Juventus lost the ball, they didn't go after and try and win it back straight away. They instead did what they always do under Allegri, which was sort of back off and go and defend in their own penalty area. And sorry just does not want that at all. Um, but yeah, I think it was. Pretty encouraging from Ramsey, particularly some of the combinations that he had with Ronaldo and whoever the fullback was on the side that he, um, he was playing. And uh, he'll be better for, for that. But uh, again, you know, Juventus, they had to come back from behind in this game. Buffon had Bizarre to be...
0: Bizarre way that Verona scored.
5: So this was really early on. Oh, It's amazing. a penalty to Verona. <laughs> <laughs> and Samuele Di Carmine, who used to play for QPR, hits the post. Bounces back out to one of his teammates who hits the crossbar. Yeah, and then Miguel Veloso, from like 35 yards out, most difficult chance of all, bends it to the top
3: corner. The
0: um, fans, the Tifosi had to, or at least the Ultras, had threatened both before the Atletico game and indeed for this one that they were going to cause trouble after Juve had basically reported certain Capi Ultra to the police for. Uh, an attempt to blackmail them, but the game passed without incident whatsoever. Yeah, I mean
5: there was some chance. Um, "Give us our ultras back" and uh, things like that. The court of wasn't empty as some people anticipated it to be. Um, there were no flags, um, and there was a there was a very big police presence behind um, the the sud. But yeah, funny that they should threaten Juventus after you know essentially been turned in for threatening them. <laughs> at least they're consistent
0: there were problems with the fans at the atlanta Fiorentina game with uh, some racist chants for uh, right, and the referee suspending the game there for three minutes
5: yes, uh, following the protocol um, he was on the side of the pitch where Dalbert was um, the victim of this abuse and uh, the referee, I think it was Daniele Osato uh, you can see quite clearly on the the labiale, the lip read um, that he says the next time we're going off, right? Um, and Atalanta have actually just put out a statement disassociating themselves from racism, showing solidarity with Dalbert. And I, I think it's been quite interesting that this weekend, for example, into and Milan, they made it the derby against racism. Mm. Um, and I think the, the press release that Milan put out in particular it was very strongly worded. Um, Ivan Gazidis and Elliot and the club want to come out and kind of take a lead where there is no leadership against this issue. Um, so I think that is a, a promising sign. In the meantime, however, these incidents continue, and it would be quite easy for someone to predict that, you know, Juventus, Brescia, Balotelli uh, making his debut, you don't want to see it, but it would not come as a surprise if a story coming out of that game would be some kind of racist incident, which yeah. is a shame. Yeah, yeah it would it's be It's, become, terrible it's become all too predictable.
0: Well, particularly with the, a group of the fans who are looking to cause trouble for the club, well, uh,
5: and also like again in this this Atalanta statement, you know I commend them for coming out and condemning it. But at the same time, it's always it's just a few idiots. Mm. It's not these idiots. You tot them up; they're hundreds, they're thousands over the course of the season. To, again, to come out that this is a minority—if it's happening every every week, it's normal, which is abnormal in 2019.
2: Mm.
0: Atalanta Fiorentina finished 2-2, uh,
4: featuring the first Fiorentina goal from Frank Ribéry. I have to say, he looked I thought he looked amazing. For a 36-year-old, for 70 minutes, he looked fantastic. And the goal, that volley with his left foot, the cross by Chiesa, and their relationship looked so good already.
0: Fiorentina still without a win in, what, eight months, is it? Bottom 18 games, James.
5: Uh, it's the... Worst run since 1938. That's the only time they've done worse when they were on a 21-game winless streak. Right. Bottom of the table. And they were 2-0 up uh, in this game. So, yeah, Atalanta, as we we see, keep going behind. uh, Right. But unlike against Dinamo Zagreb, they came back
0: again in this one. Uh, you know what? We probably should move on, but we have to have a quick word. What was the reaction to Atalanta's... I mean, after all the expectations of how, how much they could surprise Europe, how much how nice an, an illustration it would be of the kind of very positive, for forward-thinking football they play to, to see them on the bigger stage. And they end up getting beaten 4-0 by Dinamo Zagreb. What was the reaction?
5: Well, uh, at the same time, it wasn't particularly critical because it's like just being there is a massive success. Hmm. And it's match day one. And, yeah, there are still three winnable games for them in in that group, Um, the two against Shakhtar and the other one against Zagreb at San Siro. So I don't think they've been written off. They found it very difficult to explain what happened to them. I think they built it up so much in their minds that when they went behind early, they struggled to react. The game that they had planned was not, you know, what they then came up against because um, Dinamo Zagreb, who coached by a former Spezia manager, um, completely ripped up his playbook and did something else. And they didn't react um, at all. And I'd like to think that they'd be better prepared come the next time around because they know, you know that ace has been played. Hmm. Um, but I think just mentally, and it's something that Maurizio Sarri was saying in relation to Juventus at the weekend, is that Champions League games, it's not the physical recovery it's the mental toll that these games take because, you know, we've seen it across the last few seasons, the number of games which suffer in, in one leg, a blowout, and then second game or whatever, there's a comeback and something like that. And this just seems to be a, a Why, are Why? <laughs> Why are you looking at Jaws?
0: Why? Why are you looking at Jaws?
5: Just leave it alone, James. I really dislike you. I really I'm
2: really i sorry, Jules. I think Barcelona should carry that fame now. He had yeah. two. Seriously. We only had one. He had two. What? Mias as the representative yeah. of La Liga. Yeah, exactly. I'm, a Barcelona, I'm not a Barcelona yeah. fan. Two,
0: yes. two embarrassment. We only had Tell one. Tell you what, time for a quick word from producer Ben.
3: Thanks very much, Jimbo. Here's Lee Price on the line from Paddy Power. Lee, let's start with the Bundesliga. Lewandowski's averaging almost two goals a game in Germany. So will he be taking home the golden shoe at the end of
6: the season? Well, for a gong that's given out for the most league goals scored across Europe's top divisions, Lewandowski's nine strikes given him a flying start. And yet, he's not our favourite for the most prestigious footwear since Cinderella's slipper. In fact, we put him behind two guys who haven't even scored yet in the league. Although, to be fair, they are the greatest of all time, Lionel Messi and future superstar Kylian Mbappe. We make Lewandowski joint third favourite at 5-1 to one, alongside Cristiano Ronaldo, who has at least notched twice so far this season in Serie A. Over to Serie A, Fiorentina have got Frank Ribéry, but they're still bottom of the league. Surely they can't go down, can they? We think they'll be OK with or without Ribéry, actually. Uh, we make Verona and Lecce both odds-on to go down, 4-7 to seven, to relegate them to Serie A, with spal the most likely to join them at 11-10. to 10. As for Fiorentina, they're 18-1 to one to go down, way out of relegation betting, and in fact they're odds-on to get back to winning ways tomorrow night against Sampdoria.
3: And finally, let's go to Spain. Next weekend is the Madrid derby at the Wanda. How's this one going to go?
6: Yeah, it's been an interesting start to the season in Spain, hasn't it? And this is a huge game, clearly. It would be anyway, but for to Sedan and, and Real Madrid, it's a huge chance to get some momentum behind them. We don't think they will, though. Atleti, the favourites here at 13-10. Real are 15-8, so still not a long price away from home. And the draw's twenty-three to 10 Else, a certain Jose Mourinho might be making headlines this weekend.
0: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Many thanks to Andrew Turner, uh, Andrew Lang, Steve Malanga. Some of the many listeners who sent us in questions. Uh, Let's see. Andrew Turner says, is Pochettino still a big target for Real Madrid and Bayern if stroke when... He becomes available. Or has he lost some of his shine and been overtaken by the likes of Nagelsmann for these super clubs?
2: If uh, Pots is available when Zinedine Zidane leaves, uh, then he's going to be a candidate for the Real Madrid job. But I think that uh, if Zidane leaves in the foreseeable future, Jose Mourinho uh, will be probably the Real Madrid manager because he's the, the best one available. Right.
0: I saw Raul and Allegri also mentioned this week before the Sevilla Uh, win when it looked like maybe Zidane might be going very very soon
5: Allegri turned them down um, a year ago Hmm. um, and then was sacked by his club (laughs) Um, that's the way the cookie crumbles but you know there's been contact there in the past is
0: the point that I make? among the names mentioned for the Barcelona job has been Xavi as well
2: And Victor Valdez, uh, who who is in the Barcelona Academy, in the B team. Is he? Yeah, he's there and he's doing a good job, actually. And he seems to be one of the biggest admirers of Guardiola and Johan Cruyff philosophy. So he seems to
4: be a good fit. Xabi Alonso as well is with the Real Madrid B team. Wow. Okay, excellent.
1: So Nagelsmann, according to Nagelsmann, Mm -hmm. turned down Real Madrid (laughs) last year. Right. Now there's no chance uh, of him leaving, but if it's between... Pochettino, Nagelsmann, I'd say from Bayern's point of view, they'd be more interested in Pochettino because A, he's more gettable uh, in theory uh, and B, I think they had doubts about Nagelsmann just being a little bit too young and uh, extricating him now from Leipzig would be all but impossible. So uh, it, it's not a like-for-like like comparison, if you will. Okay.
5: Did, did you turn down Real Madrid, James? I didn't, no. Last year, no?
0: I didn't. I don't turn things down. <laughs> I think that, that much must be clear by now. Andrew Lang wants to know. He says, uh, after reading Rafa's piece on Nagelsmann... Where was that, Rafa? In the Athletic. Nice, teams. okay. I'd be really interested in knowing anything further about his mindset or ambition for Leipzig or post-Leipzig. Do you think he'd be a success in the Premier League or Liga?
1: Well... I mean he's still only 32. He's still only uh, at his second <laughs> is saying. <insane>, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. At a second club. Right. Um I think it's a natural progression for him to go from Hoffenheim to Leipzig and right. I think by his own admission he felt that it was a good place to grow because perhaps he wasn't quite ready to go abroad and take a a bigger more pressurized club. So everything i've seen from him so far both in terms of the results but also the way he carries him the way that players who work with him talk about him afterwards suggests that he is a very very special manager who could probably because he's adaptable intelligent enough to succeed just about anywhere he goes mm. so i have no doubt that this guy is going to be with us for a very long time winning winning big things
2: may i say that uh Perhaps not in the case of Nagelsmann, but uh, normally, if a manager is ready, it's ready from the beginning. Uh, in fact, the first year of Pep Guardiola was fantastic. The first year of Jose Mourinho was amazing as mm-hmm. well. So I th- I don't think that the experience is uh, a very positive characteristic in managers. Sometimes youth is good because they are more up to date with uh, training drills. They are more up to date with uh, plenty of ideas and it they really can like com- and they can communicate on a, on a on a very good level with the players as give well. Me,
4: give me another example then. Over Mourinho, a yeah,
2: yeah, no, no, Conte, another one. Conte, no, 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 many, many. I, I contest first season. Yeah, even though he did in, well. It oh
4: no,
5: I read so first of all. He was on 32. I read so he got sacked. Yeah, okay, it was not not, as did Maurizio <laughs> Sadi.
4: Okay, yeah. give me another one because you named you named the, you named the yeah. two best of that generation. Well, the, I, think, I think youth. I think I. I agree Pochettino. With Ralph. Pochettino. I mean, you have Javier I mean, Pochettino Clemente, was not a huge success. You can't compare it with Mourinho and. Who are the managers who got better
0: over time
2: then?
4: Luis Luis Van all Gall. of them, is no. by definition. Jules. The more experience you know? we get, the no, better no. Get. Lu- what, the sure. you get. Luis Van Gaal. Johan Cruyff. I mean, come on. No, but I mean. the, the, their best period <laughs> was when they were <laughs> what, young. Can we go back in the 1950s as well?
2: No, I'm telling you. the Johan so Cruyff. Do I don't necessarily Saki. an or Nehzaki scenario. Yeah, is a great shot. But I think that youth is, I mean,
1: experience is not necessarily. It's not an either or scenario. No, 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 not at all. Abor's point is
0: correct. that You have a lot of managers who come in and have almost their best times right at the start. From the beginning. No,
4: 13. Not when they're 30. That's the point I'm making with Nagelsmann. Not not when they're 30. Nagelsmann
0: is an outlier in that sense, yeah.
4: But there's other young... I'm not sure if Eddie Howe...
5: Dominic German. I mean, what's happened to him?
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I think there will
1: always be special situations if you're a former icon at the club and then you take over from within the club, I think you have a better chance of succeeding Simone, than, coming, Eri, than, than coming from, from <laughs> no, S- but he the outside my in. Po- but, I don't I don't if you are Nagelsmann <laughs> a year ago, you know, you're 31 hmm. and you've just coached Hoffenheim for three and a half years. If you have the offer from Real Madrid, if you're smart, you don't take it. Because yeah, you know, Real Madrid is going to be a bit of a shambles. And your reputation might, might go, and you're not quite ready for that yet. The o- only thing I'm saying is that the experience is not necessarily a
2: virtue when it comes to managers. Didier de some a French guy, at Monaco, he did fantastic from the beginning. Right but after, after he
4: finished 15th
1: the first season,
2: they yeah, didn't win a f-
4: game uh, in the first and seven And then he reached the Champions League so final in 2004. Yeah, 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 but
1: experience by itself is not a virtue. Otherwise, Kerbushly and, and Pardew and all these guys and Big Sam would be in huge demand. Yes. But I think talent plus experience is sometimes, is a strong combination. Some, sometimes
0: talent plus freshness can be as effective as talent plus experience. That's what those examples tell us. And you can't deny the existence of those examples because, I mean, it's incontrovertible the way that people like Guardiola came in. Yes, they're special, but those are the cases when it works. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, here's a question from Steve Malanga, which is... Oh, thanks, Steve. Could you give us a quick chance to mention, just as we wrap up, Napoli. He says, Is Lallente, the big man Napoli, need to add balance to their attack or is this just a short run of good luck? They were involved in a big 4-1 win at Lecce, weren't they? He scored, didn't he? Or he did got two, I think. He's been brilliant.
5: Yeah. Um, scored two, won a penalty. You think he scored second goal against uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. He yeah. also set up one of Merton's goals on his debut against uh, Sampdoria. Um, I think for a centre-forward, they're a great team to play for because of the number of chances that they create. But what was really interesting about the weekend's game was Ancelotti made eight changes. And I must say, you know, Ancelotti, I actually do think he is, he's not in decline. I think he is getting better with age. It's almost like he's getting age. better with
0: experience. That team
5: is,
4: that team <laughs> <Quite young. laughs> is,
5: plays really sophisticated around the football and it completely explains why managers kind of get really frustrated with journalists saying, "What system do you play? Do you play four, three, three do you play four two three That is a very kind of amorphous team, which you know depending where the ball is, depending what the situation is. Yeah, that's what determines the confederation that you see on the pitch. Fabian Ruiz again,
4: mm. and Eric Ab- Eric Abidal was there to watch him for Barcelona. Yes. Barcelona potentially. Yes. If you Fabian Ruiz right now, you don't leave Napoli to go to Barcelona. I don't think so. No, you. Since in that game he played right
5: it's wing, amazing goal. but essentially he's coming in playing right midfield, left midfield, left wing. It's a bit where he's at left back.
2: Yeah, total football. Amazing. And he's got uh, not only the technique, but he's pretty strong for how think he is. He seems to be yeah. a very light player. But robust. He's really, really robust as well. And uh, he's going to start definitely uh, mm. for Spain in the Euro 2020 because uh, the new manager, uh, Robert Moreno, really likes him.
0: Mm. All right. Napoli currently third in Serie Top scorers. The bottom of Serie Fiorentina, Sampdoria. That's yeah, crazy, now. <laughs> anyway, it would be interesting to see what happens in the midweek round. There's fixtures, of course, in France and Spain this midweek. And uh, Thursday's Totally Football Show can round up anything significant that... Happens in those, but the guys will be back next Tuesday. Alvaro, James, Rafa, Julianne, all looking forward by then to another round of Champions League action. So, hopefully, you'll be joining us for that. Listen, I hope you enjoyed this show. Many thanks to the guys for being with us. We'll see you soon.